What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to your favorite program every single Wednesday, Home Field Advantage with your boy Caveman. Uh, also, I am here with you as well, Justice General. How you doing, bro? I'm living, man. How's your Wednesday going? Pretty good, pretty good. Excited All to right. have people flowing in here to get, get everybody in here. Absolutely. Our usual suspects are in the building. Dawn, Spin, Dave. Yeah. But yeah, they're always in here, so we appreciate the uh, the love, guys. Seriously, uh, the consistency it really means so much to us. Uh, you guys have no idea, but thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, we got a lot of different topics to get to tonight, right? <laughs> uh, one in particular, I, I know Caveman is super excited to talk about. It's, it's like the funniest story in football, probably this decade. Um, wait, wait, they call it uh, Bishop Sycamore. Right. And uh, it's basically, well, I, I'll let, I'll let caveman give you guys the synopsis of it because it is, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sure you guys have heard by now, but there was this high school quote unquote by the name of Bishop Sycamore. I'm sure you guys have heard the story by now, but essentially a fake high school managed to find their way on national television by playing the top football high school in the entire nation. Um, I don't know. I, I did want to just talk about it briefly. Uh, there's really not much to talk about behind it. It's just such a funny, stupid story. It just it really makes you wonder, is it that easy to start a high school? Like That's the biggest part that I can't get over. Like Can anybody just create a high school and, and just get on ESPN? Yeah. I, know. Like, I don't understand how. I don't know. I, I, just, I you would think it'd be a lot more complicated than that. You got to jump through a lot of hope, a lot of hoops. And they just they made it seem like it was. I don't. Even, I don't know. Do you know what the score was? I heard it was something really, really bad. It was like they lost. They lost to IMG fifty-eight to nothing. And there was okay, a video of their running back on the sideline. The dude looked like he was probably forty. <laughs> That's hilarious. Like, I, the only, the only thing I seen from it was uh, the the punt block for a mm -hmm. touchdown. <laughs> it looked so pathetic. <laughs> it so. was so sad. Like. Watching like watching high school football in general, it, it's kind of hard when you know people like us are usually watching professional football for the most part. So you're like watching high school; it's obviously a completely different level. But like when you're watching IMG beat up on this school that has no business playing against them, it was just yeah, it, it was I don't know. I just wanted to quickly touch on that because it's, no, it's it, literally the biggest story in football right now. Absolutely, and it's hilarious. So you know, you, you always gotta. You know, yeah. go ahead and touch on those topics. But um, other than that, <clears throat> we can uh, go ahead and let, let's see who's in the comment section real quick. Um, obviously, we we like Dave said earlier, we got the usual suspect, Don, Dave, Spin. Appreciate the love, guys. We got my man Vince Taylor in the building. Got some Buffalo family. What's up, everybody? Um, There was a little bit of shocking news. Well, maybe some people weren't shocked. I was shocked. Um. Uh, Patriots released their 53-man roster, and their starting quarterback from last year, at least, wasn't on it. Uh, Cam Newton got cut by the New England Patriots. Uh, not even, like, traded, not anything. Not benched, you know, to be the backup, nothing. Just cut off the team, like, not here anymore. Well, what do you – what's your opinions on that? Um, I mean, I was shocked just as everybody else in the football world was. Um, there was actually a couple of reports that came out and said that, um, you know, this was a shock to people in the building as well. Like this was something that nobody really you know, saw coming. And I just was I was caught off guard. I, I would have thought that, 
you know, Bill Belichick would have wanted his, his rookie quarterback to play behind the veteran for a couple games and then maybe, you know, see the field. But I, I do think that, you know, I, I mean, not so much, but I, I think the snafu with the, uh, the, the uh, big five day away from the team, vaccine shit he, he was going through, I think that played a part in why he, uh, he probably saw a departure. I also think it, it probably came down to like Bill walking up to Cam and saying, you know, I'm starting Mac week one. Like you, you're cool to stay here if you want to be a backup, but otherwise you're not our starter anymore. And, and Cam was probably like, you know what? No, I'm better off just finding somewhere else. And I think that's probably how it went. But I, I think Cam Newton, if he wants to stay in the NFL, he's going to have to accept the fact that he's probably going to be backing up from this point forward. Yeah, I think that's a foregone conclusion. I don't think there is any world where Cam Newton finds a team where he's immediately the starter. I'm not saying he can't one day, you know, get a starter position again because it's possible. Anything's possible. I don't see it happening, but anything's possible. Um, but he's definitely not going to go anywhere and be the starter for the first time in a very long time, at least as long as I've been watching football. There are probably a little bit just slightly more than 32 quarterbacks who can start in this league, right? I would say maybe 35, 36 quarterbacks who can be a starter in this league. And that's rare because, you know, back when we were kids, we had to watch the awful bills because there were only like 18, 20 good quarterbacks in the league. Right. Um, But I thought it was interesting at first because I just didn't see it coming, first of all. But then the more I thought about it, the more it kind of made sense to me because I'm like, well, we know they have Brian Hoyer on the roster. We know for some reason Bill Belichick absolutely adores Brian Hoyer. Like, he's always on the roster. I know he knows the playbook back and forth. He, he must be really good in the quarterback room because they keep bringing him back. Um, so I, I feel like Belichick, if he's saying, okay, we only want to keep two quarterbacks, and if, if I know for sure that Mac is going to be the guy, then I would rather have Brian Hoyer in the quarterback room with Mac than a Cam Newton, who doesn't really know the system very well. You know, he keeps getting out with COVID. I don't really know if he's a reliable backup. But if you're not the starter for my team, I don't I know that we're not going to win games with the backup quarterback anyway. I don't really care if it's Brian Hoyer versus Cam, which I honestly I don't think that Brian Hoyer is that much worse than Cam. I think he's a better thrower of the football as, as of right now, at least. So not mad at it. Um, but yeah, did you uh, have anything else you wanted to speak on about the Patriots? Yeah, I, I just wanted to say, you know, I I was, you know, shocked by this. Yeah, yeah I mean, that probably is part of it. I think Cam Newton has to accept the fact that his, his days are numbered at this point, just being in the league, let alone being a starter. But I, I, I don't know. I'm for one, maybe it's just my, my, passive aggressive like i don't know what word to use for it my my fear of a, being a bills fan my my just not accepting the fact that we are the top dogs yet which is kind of crazy to say but just watching mac jones man he's good he, he he's good and I, I think we talked about it and he knows what he knows what he's doing last year or he knew he knows what he's doing going into this year and it's pretty freaky to think like he just looks so poised he gets in the rhythms he's yeah we, we literally talked about it last week but nevertheless he's the most game ready quarterback that, that is coming out of this class. And it does kind of worry me not right now, but for the near future that the Patriots could be, could be brewing something up over New England that nobody wants to be dealing with. Yeah, I agree. Um, he definitely looks good. Uh, uh, hopefully it's, you know, versus lesser defenses and, and that's a major factor. Hopefully it's something that doesn't continue uh, versus like starting caliber 
you know, defenses and whatnot. So uh, I, I guess we'll see what happens there. Um, I'm, I'm really, again, it's, it's kind of anxiety, you know, building yeah. because it's Bill Belichick with a young quarterback who's super accurate. And he has raised one of those before into being the arguably the greatest quarterback ever. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what he does with Mac Jones. He is in his older age. Bill Belichick probably won't be around another decade as far as NFL um, being an NFL coach. So uh, I don't really know what to think, um, but hopefully, like I said, hopefully it doesn't really pan out and uh, the bills will be the dominant force for uh, years to come. But speaking of young quarterbacks and the bills, uh, the AFC East starting quarterback, depth chart, I guess you could say roster or whatever is set. Basically uh, we have Josh Allen is the starting quarterback for the bills. Tua Tonga Vailoa is the starting quarterback for the dolphins. Zach Wilson is starting quarterback for the jets. And now Matt Jones is starting quarterback for the Patriots. Josh Allen being the oldest and most experienced quarterback in the entire division at 25 years old. How do you feel about this new guard of quarterbacks coming in the AFC East? It's crazy to think, you know, I mean, we went from having the oldest quarterback in the NFL in our division to now having our quarterback, who was at one point the youngest, now being the oldest. And it's only been a, what, three years now. It, it, it's it's crazy to see how far how far our division has come. And that just goes to show like the turnover that's going on with our division. You know, um, all, all three teams, all four teams in this division, I would like to think not would like to think. I think have, you know, relatively bright futures, you know, besides for if the Dolphins, once they realize that two is not the answer, they have all the other pieces around the quarterback position to be successful. I think the Jets did a very good job in this year's draft. They have a ton of picks coming up next year. Um, as long as the Jets don't pull the Jets, you know, they could they could have a bright future as well. And as we all know, you know, the Patriots could be up and coming, you know, with what they're trying to brew with Mac Jones. So there there's this division is going to be, it's going to be looking good, you know, in the next couple of years, I could see our division being one of the best in like three or four years, one of the most competitive. Yeah. I think that's fair to say uh, our division being the best in, in a couple of years will probably, probably happen, especially because you have four first round talents. I, but Mac Jones maybe is the lowest quarterback as far as who, who went in the first round. I think he went like 15th or something. Mm -hmm. So all top of the top half of the, you know, draft quarterbacks. Uh, who's the quarterback for the, we got four defensive minded head coaches in the NFL. Wow. I didn't realize that. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, four former defensive coordinators who were studs in their own right. And, you know, now they, they run teams and they all seem to be very good coaches. At least I know for a fact, obviously, but Belichick is a coach. I think Sean McDermott has solidified himself as the top three coach in the NFL, in my opinion. Um, and then Robert Sala, we know that he was a great defensive coordinator. We'll see what he does as far as head coaching goes. Uh, but I think that we're, we have obviously a leg up because we've been building a little while now. Um, but the thing is, we've completely shifted around the entire culture of the Buffalo Bills in a three-year span, which is like, it's kind of ridiculous, right? I don't really think uh, you that's that can be expected or should be expected from anybody else um, to do something even similar to that. Um, I, I really don't know what to expect from too many of the quarterbacks. I don't believe in Tua Tonga Vailoa. I'm just going to say it. I don't believe in him. Uh, I think that uh, 
they're probably going to have Jacoby Brissett taking first team reps. I would say probably by like week six, um, probably shorter, to be honest. I don't think that Brian Flores believes in Tua. And if you, you know, if you pay attention to like the media and what's going on in, in the Miami media, they are continuously, they are nonstop on this man's back about who is his quarterback. They want to know who is his quarterback, which is very telling because the guy who was picked fifth overall a couple of years ago, right? That should be your quarterback. Uh, but that's, you know, that's, they don't even believe him. They don't even think he's going to have him be the starter. Uh, we saw, Obviously, we know Jacoby Brissett is talented. Then there was another backup uh, in Miami um, who got cut just for a roster space or whatever. And they, you know, there were people on Twitter saying that this guy's better than Tua. I don't even know his name, but like that's that's not encouraging at all. Uh, at least not if I'm a Dolphins fan. But we'll see. Uh, you know, people tell me that I buried Tua way too fast, and for me, it's just I don't. The upside is, is isn't very high to me. I don't see a very high ceiling, you know. So that's just where I'm at with it. But uh, again, I, I you know I leave people to their own opinions. I try not to argue with people too much. Um, but you know, I, I'm not afforded that same right. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, um, moving on, uh, another team with I guess you could say a surprising, not surprising to probably me or me or you but surprising considering they gave one guy a massive deal which you know was voidable but still massive and then the other guy kind of got crumbs uh but the other guy ended up winning the starting job taste uh hill lost the qb battle to Jameis winston and uh we were going to talk about it last week but we didn't really get to it uh what are your what are your opinions on you know Jameis winston and what he can do with the saints team uh it's it's actually you know I was not sold on the Saints before they made this decision because I did not have faith in Sean Payton making the right decision, which was playing Jameis Winston. And now that, you know, he's taking that step, if Jameis Winston is actually able to go out and play competent football, right, decision-making football, I mean, the Saints could be looking pretty dangerous. I mean, they went 12-4 and with Drew Brees, who, you know, let's be honest, struggled last year to an extent. You know, if they get a quarterback that can really, you know, heave the ball downfield to Jameis Winston and he's not making as many mistakes as he used to, then we could be looking at a Saints team that could be even better than last year. You know, they have a defense that I, I believe is championship ready. And, you know, it really all just falls on the quarterback play, you know, with the Saints. It kind of – I'm not going to go as far as to say, you know, they're kind of – they were in the same situation as the Rams were because I, I think the Rams overall are the better roster. But, you know, the Saints are ready. I think they're there as long as they can get Michael Thomas healthy and wanting to play for them. You know, I think they, they could be a Super Bowl contending team as long as Jameis Winston pulls his weight. And, you know, I even went as far as to say the other day that maybe if Jameis, if Michael Thomas, it's very contingent on the Michael Thomas situation, right? I mean, I think he's out till week four because I think they put him on the, the, the pup list. Um, uh, but, you know, he could be an MVP sleeper. I mean, kill me all you want, but. If he's not making those those really bad mistakes, I mean, I can see Jameis Winston throwing upwards of 4,800 yards and, you know, 28 touchdowns, 30 touchdowns. I mean, that's 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 a pretty damn good season. And I think he's got he's got the help around him to do so. Like I said, as long as Michael Thomas plays. But, you know, I, I think they could be uh, sneakily dangerous this season, the Saints. Yeah, I, I think that um, I don't think you gave yourself enough credit for that that uh, Rams uh, comparison. I think that's a really good comparison. I think that they have a really good roster. Obviously, they have one of the best coaches of all time in Sean Payton. Um, and I think that 
Jameis Winston can sling the ball. I really do. I think he's a gunslinger. I think he's underrated a lot like Matt Stafford is underrated. I think that he has a plethora of potential and he just, he just needed to be, you know, reeled in, you know, when you have Bruce Arians as your coach, who's telling you to throw the ball wherever and whenever you want, you know, versus Sean Payton, who's a little more calculated. I think that Sean Payton should, his offense, his scheme, everything should be able to just teach Jameis how to play football. Like, I mean, of course you went to Florida state with that, no, I was about to say that was Sweeney, but uh, of course you have Florida state. I don't remember who his coach was at, but mm-hmm. anyway, uh, he he learned the ropes in in Florida State. Ah, uh, he was great in Florida State. Um, wasn't awesome, you know, in Tampa, but he showed potential, right? And um, I think that him going to the Saints, like I said, the quarterback who who I'm sorry, the coach who has the scheme has everything already lined up for you. Just go out there and put the ball where it needs to be, which I think Jameis can do. Uh, the Michael Thomas situation is a little worrisome if I'm, you know, rooting for the Saints. Um, I think that Michael Tom- uh, the situation was Michael Thomas knew he had needed surgery on his foot, I believe it was. And he ended up waiting until like mad late in the offseason to do it. And his recovery time uh, bled into the season. So it's it's like, OK, that's a little weird. Like, uh, I, I, you know, people were mad at him for that. And I think they're rightfully mad at him. I don't really know what the situation is, why he's mad at the team, but he seems to really be pissed off with how the Saints are doing something around that organization. Uh, I don't really know what it is. Yeah, it's it's very weird, and I have not done my homework to really speak on what has been going on with Michael Thomas, but it just it doesn't seem like he's very happy there for one reason or another. But, you know, like we both said, if he if he if they get that straightened out and he's healthy, that team could be good. And, you know, I, I had something off the top of my head. <laughs> what is your prediction for the NFC South? Oh, boy. Um, well, you know, it, it's also another division that, you know, a lot is up in the air with them, you know, at the end mm-hmm. of the day. But, you know, oh, man. you know, Vlad didn't Vlad just say it. Vlad said it somewhere. He said, where is it? He said. Saints will win the division this year. Book it. And when I did uh, on my, my personal channel, I was I did the division predictions, and he he said that same thing on that video too. And I you know I was a little taken aback by it, you know with the Super Bowl champions being their division. That's a big. Uh, that's quite the bold statement to make. I think it's easily going to be the Buccaneers. I think they will take the division, but I could see the Saints giving them a little bit more of a fight than a lot of people are expecting. And you know maybe the Panthers make some noise. You know I I'm not sure what I'm expecting from Sam Donald this year. You know, with the different weapons he's got, maybe they'll kind of throw a monkey wrench into a couple, couple of these divisional rivals uh, seasons. But, you know, I think it should be the Buccaneers division without a doubt. Though. Yeah, um, I, I actually am. I'm, I'm up in the air and I, I don't really know because I know last year I don't even think the Bucks won the division last year. I think it was the Saints, right? It was the Saints. Um, and I think that Jameis Winston now is a better quarterback than Drew Brees was. Obviously, you're not going to start Jameis Winston over Drew Brees in his final season of his NFL, his his first ballot Hall of Fame NFL career, right? But I think that the Saints probably had a Super Bowl winning roster last year. They were starting the wrong quarterback, understandably so, right? Um, so I do think that Jameis can come in and, and make a huge difference. I think Jameis comes in and gives you an entirely different element just with, you know, his, his arm strength is, you know, well stronger than Drew, what Drew Brees' was. Um, and for me, it, it's kind of a close call between those two. But 
also the Falcons are the most underachieving team ever, right? But they 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 still have a ton of talent. You know, you Matt Ryan is a good ish, great ish type of barrier, you know, that that type mm -hmm. of you know uh quarterback. And then obviously they got that boy Kyle Pitts. It would have made more sense if you had Kyle Pitts and would have kept Julio, but what do I know? Um, I, I just I feel like they could be possibly a sleeper, but they and it's sad to say that because every year we're looking at them like they're supposed to be good, but now you have to say they're a sleeper because they have a good roster. They just never perform or they always let people come back or whatever the case may be. Um, I'm way higher on Sam Darnold than most people are. I think that Sam Darnold is super talented, and I think within two or three years he might have this team as a championship caliber potential uh, you know, playoff team, um, but probably not this year. Um uh, him and Christian McCaffrey. I keep forgetting that Sam Donald is Christian McCaffrey. All of you people that didn't believe in Sam Donald, you're going to be sorely mistaken. Like he has Robbie Anderson. It, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the other guy across from DJ Moore. Exactly. Thank you. And then Christian McCaffrey, like, bro, are you kidding me? Like, I promise you, I promise you Sam Donald is going to have a ball this year, have the, a career year uh, thus far, so far. Um, and, you know, so I, I do think that the Saints will probably win the division. Um, I, I just believe in Jameis more than most people, I guess, <laughs> which is fine. You know, um, I, I, I'll stick with that and, I'll, and I'll, I'll live with that. It's interesting. You know, that's I, I don't know. I just can't get over the fact that the Bucks won it all. And they and I just saw them. I viewed them as almost a struggling roster throughout most of the regular season, even mm -hmm. heading into the playoffs. And they still were managed. They managed to pull a rabbit out of their hat. And Brady got everybody on the same page by the most important time of the, uh, of the year. So I just can't see Saints beating them. Maybe maybe they'll beat them. Maybe they'll split. But I think it'll be the Buccaneers division to lose. And just going back on the Jameis Winston point, I, I, that was what I remember what I wanted to say. Um. You just, I, I think in the NFL, it's all about, you know, the term upside is very loosely thrown around, but once you get specific with it, uh, you know, as far as quarterbacks go, especially, I think that's all you got to look for in a quarterback, right? You know, Jameis Winston, he's got that upside. And then it just, you know, somebody that can really throw the ball downfield. It, it, he's got the arm strength. He's got the clear talent. It just all comes down to his decision-making. I think it's, when I look at, you know, upside, I see, I think of uh, the Broncos quarterback situation and how they went with somebody that I feel like is capped as far as, you know, their capabilities go with uh, Teddy Bridgewater, where you got a kid like Drew Locke, if he's, you know, developed correctly, if he's put in the right situation, which I felt like this year could have been that that situation, you know, the sky's the limit. And I feel like that you, you just always have to take the chance with the guy that gives you the best opportunity. You know, it's a very vague statement to make, but that's what the Saints are doing with Jameis Winston. That's what the Broncos should have been doing um, with Drew Locke. And, you know, yeah, that's just how I feel about the upside situation. That's what I wanted to say. I just wanted to get that out because that's I forgot what it was earlier. No, you're fine. Uh, Lone Wolf has a question for you, though. Interceptions for Winston over under 20. Oh, 20. I'm going. I'm, <laughs> I'm going under 20. I, I think, you know, something that people don't really consider is the fact that Jameis Winston was, I mean, Justice just said it, he was throwing the ball every damn down when he was in Tampa. Now you got Alvin Kamara in your backfield. You got somebody you can check down to. You got somebody that's going to run the rock for you. Alvin Kamara should have the ball in his hands more than anybody on the offense. And I'm, I'm including Jameis Winston in that kind of conversation. <laughs> like, this dude needs to have the ball in order for you to be successful. That's how you win football games is by giving your playmakers the football. So I think Jameis Winston's going to have a lot less responsibility because he's got a 
playmaker in Alvin Kamara with him. And, you know, back in the Michael Thomas conversation as well, he's got other playmakers around him. And he also, he obviously had Mike Evans and Chris Godwin in Tampa, but lacking that run game, lacking somebody that he could dump the ball off to, I think that that really hurts a quarterback and having somebody like a safety blanket in Alvin Kamara is going to, you know, really help decrease the interceptions because it's kind of hard to throw a pick when you're dumping the ball off or handing the ball off a lot, a lot of the time. So one of the best backs in the league, I mind right. you, like Alvin Kamara is a beast. Um, I, I think there's a lot of parallels between like him and Matt Stafford, right? You, you come, well, let me, well, Matt Stafford did play with one of the greatest receivers of all time. So there, I do see a lot of parallels, right? I see parallel. Um, I see Matt Stafford and Jameis Winston. They both had to try to play Superman, right? Because they didn't really have a run game. Uh, their coach was just like, hey, I don't know, go out there and throw the ball. Like, <laughs> So um, now they're both in situations where they have offensive gurus, guys who have the scheme. They want <laughs> to, they want to actually be involved in the game planning and know what's going on on the field. They're giving you all the answers. Like Sean McVay, especially, he's going to give you every answer you need to know. That's what I like about guys like him and Dayball and uh, uh, Shanahan and, and Peyton. They give you the answers. Like if, if you're running this play, no matter what that defense is going to do, you're going to know what to do if you listen to me and you study correctly, right? Um, my boy uh, Izzy. He, 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 he's speaking on the LASIK. Yes. Yeah, exactly. He, he was talking about how he had the blurry vision. And again, I said this before, it did look like he was, didn't know he was throwing to up there sometimes, you know, 30 picks. That's ridiculous, right? That's crazy. Which, I mean, I can understand why your over under is 20, but that is a lot of interceptions. I don't see him throwing 20 interceptions and keeping his job. Not in, not in New Orleans, at least. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I, I do, I, I see them both coming and thank God they're both in the NFC, right? Because I don't want to have to do with either of these guys, especially either of these teams, uh, at least not until the big one, but that I think that they'll be able to learn how to play quarterback the correct way versus just going out there and trying to, you know, save the day with your arm, which they both have the ability to do, but now you'll be able to do it when it calls for it and not all the damn time. You know what I mean? So I think that's a, a plus for both teams. Uh, did, yeah, did you have anything else you want to get into about the Saints? Or um, Not about the Saints particularly, but I guess they do factor into what I'm about to mention. Um, and I did I forgot to mention this to you earlier when we were talking about what we were going to talk about. But Nick Wright, you know, we're not going to talk about Nick Wright's hatred for the Bills here. We're just going to talk about Nick Wright's just overall take here. He, he put out a graphic on First Things First. And it says, I don't know how I could pull something up on here, but I'm just going to read it off. So there were tiers. He, he ranked different teams in the NFL, and he went through a tier list, right? It says the 20-0 tier, a team that could potentially go 20-0. Of course, he's got the Kansas City Chiefs in this tier, because of course he does. And then the next tier is the number one contenders. He has the Green Bay Packers and the Cleveland Browns in this tier. It's just that. And that's the second highest tier on this list. And those are the only two teams he has in this. The next tier is the true contenders, which is the L.A. Rams, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the San Francisco 49ers. And then the fringe contenders are the Ravens, the Seahawks, the Bills, and the Titans. And then the new playoff teams include the Cowboys, the Chargers, the Dolphins, the Falcons, and the Patriots. And then the old playoff teams mentioned the, Col or the Colts and the Saints. Which those are the teams I really wanted to mention here. How do you have the Saints? 
that far down on the like that's that's how I was gonna kind of factor that in. Like the Saints should, in my opinion, if you're gonna make a tier list like this, the Saints should be in the fringe contenders tier to me. I mean, like the, the old playoff team, does that entail like they're they're not gonna make it? I'm I don't know. What's is- wrong with that graphic? You know what it is. I think that Nick Wright and and I, I don't really have anything against anybody, right? But I, I do think they might be struggling for ratings because some of the says, stuff he says is, is nonsensical. Like it doesn't make sense. Like uh, the the one thing he said, he was mad because the Bills fans were chanting MVP at the playoff game after Josh went ten for eleven and a touchdown on his first drive. You're mad that they're chanting MVP for the guy who had more MVP votes than your guy did last year? <laughs> that makes zero sense. Like, you know, so to, to me, I, I swear, but he, he they they must be like hurting for ratings. That's really the only thing I can think of because it's one thing to have an opinion to to not believe in the team. Like there were a ton of people who didn't believe in Josh Allen or the Bills for that matter, right? Okay. I, look, man, we're past it, right? We all know that the Bills are a great team now. We know that Josh Allen is the guy now. This is fine. But to sit there and keep pretending that we we got lucky or we weren't good or whatever the case may be or we're we're not making sense or whatever, like it's it's literally nonsensical. It 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 it, it doesn't even register, you know. So, uh, I, man, I'm so glad, honestly, that the Bills. Obviously, we we gave them a little bit of. But just just to talk about how stupid you sound. But I'm so glad the Bills Mafia as a whole like stop paying attention to him. Yeah. Like, bro, you sound like a loser, bro. Really, honestly. And that and the worst part is like, I'm the Bills ranking on this list isn't even the most isn't even the thing I'm most mad about. Like, how blind do you have to be? I, I think Spin said it. This was the first thing that I met, that I saw when I was like reading this. The Falcons. The Falcons. <laughs> You saying they're going to make the playoffs? They're going to be lucky to finish third in their division. And, you know, the 49ers were another team that I just don't understand. I feel like it's almost blind hype surrounding the 49ers. A lot of people are high on this team. Like, they're just going to return to being that Super Bowl contender they were now that everybody's going to be healthy. I just don't think it works that way. And it seems like that's, like, the common theory surrounding the 49ers right now is that they're going to be healthy and they're going to return to what they used to be. I just don't think that's a realistic thing to think. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see the 49ers making some noise, to be honest with you. I really could. I think um, they, they have a lot of playmakers, and I think that they have a coach that's able to bring it together. Now, they obviously did lose Robert Sala, which I think is going to hurt a lot because I don't think that Kyle Shanahan was the guy that was making that defense what it was. I do think it was Robert Sala, to be honest. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what the defense looks like next year. Obviously you still got Bosa and um, you know, guys like that, that front four is still disgusting. Um, but we'll, we'll see what happens because we've seen things happen like Rex Ryan come in and, and have defensive tackles dropping in the zones. And so I don't know, maybe <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, we'll, we'll see. I don't want to uh, just sit here and, you know, toot their horn because again, I, I really got to wait to see it. And I don't really pay that much attention to them. I know like mm-hmm. Kyle Juszczyk, best fullback in the league, but I mean, it's a fullback, right? So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but um, we can go ahead and, and move into some Bills talk now. Um, 53 man roster was, re- was released uh, recently. Was there any surprises for you? Anybody who made the team where you were, mm-hmm. Oh, you know, uh, 
I, I obviously we all have our opinions, and I think the biggest shock was the Jacob Hollister. Uh, yeah, I was yeah. just extremely disappointed in that. You know, I I've been a very big Debbie Downer as far as this offseason offseason has gone. I just really haven't agreed with a lot that I felt like has gone on. Now it's it's another another just questionable move that that has me scratching my head. Like what what is it? What is it that they see that we don't? And I get it. They're the professionals here. It's not that I don't trust them. It's just this is one of those things that really has my mind scrambled. Horribly, horribly, horribly scrambled. Yeah, honestly, man, that that Jacob Hollister one was a really big surprise to me, too, because I don't know why. Like, why release Jacob Hollister? Like, there's a lot of things you could have done in in that scenario for me personally. I feel like you could have cut Tommy Sweeney. Nobody knows who Tommy Sweeney is, so you could have picked him right back up on a practice squad in my opinion. Right. Um, I don't think very many people know what Tommy Sweeney's upside is. I think that we can see it a little bit because we've been watching him, you know, to, to a degree. Um, I like him, both him and Knox. Right. I'm one of those guys who are like Knox could potentially be a top three tight end in the league. If he puts it all together, I'm one of the guys who is super high on Knox's potential. Right. However, Jacob Hollister, feels it seemed at least from what i saw in the preseason and the play in uh, practices and whatnot he he feels more polished than than dawson knox does right he, he seems a little more consistent he seems like the guy that's gonna go get me what i asked him for right versus you know dropping a pass here and there and, and moving the sticks back and potentially having us in a close game that we should be blowing the team out in because you dropped a third and seven pass right like, i just don't want that I, I i don't want to be um, I feel like that's something that could back us into a corner, honestly. But um, it, it seems that, you know, I've read some beat reporters, their tweets and whatnot. The Bills aren't as, you know, high on the tight end position as a lot of us think they should be, right? Um, they don't really seem to care too much about, you know, the, pr- the production your tight end gives you, which to me is shocking, especially in like a spread offense like we run. Um, so I, I don't know. But I feel like Jacob Hollister, he was popping on screen. He, he showed, you know, burst. He showed explosiveness. He he showed that he could find the open zones and, and catch the ball. Like, I thought he looked really good. And so uh, there were people who were alleging that he should be TE1. And I wasn't mad at it. Like, I think Dawson should still, you know, have one more season to prove himself as TE1. But I wouldn't have been mad if if Hollister was TE1 either. I would have understood it. I'm like, okay, well, Dawson, you're still young. You got a chance to earn it back. But, you know, I, I wouldn't have been mad at Dawson being TE2. So for Hollister to get cut altogether was like a, a very big surprise to me. I, I don't understand it, to be honest. Yeah, I, you know, I, I am very harsh on Dawson Knox, probably a lot harsher than I should be. I think he should be, I think the dude should be gone, but I mean, that's another conversation. But nevertheless, I'm not, I'm not even like looking for somebody to come in and fully replace, like being realistic. I'm not even looking for somebody to come in here and completely boot Dawson Knox from ever seeing the damn field. I thought the, 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 the vision with having Jacob Hollister in would be, to relieve Dawson Knox of having to be the constant guy on the field, right? Just have somebody else in there that you could switch on and off. It's not even so you can have a depth chart saying, okay, look, Dawson Knox is, Dawson Knox is our tight end one and Jacob Hollister is our tight end two. It would just be almost like an even playing field 
so each of them can, you know, play off of each other. And, you know, to me, losing Jacob Hollister and bringing in Tommy or just, you know, keeping Tommy Sweeney, to me, that means that they, you know, they like what they see in Sweeney. But overall, I think it means that they like Dawson Knox enough to be the primary tight end. Like, in my opinion, you're keeping Dawson Knox and Tommy Sweeney. It becomes a tight end one, tight end two kind of room. Like Tommy Sweeney, at the end of the day, is most likely not beating out Dawson Knox and tight end. One. Right. You know, I think that the, the levels of tight ends here are completely different. You know, with a Jacob Hollister, it's more of a level playing field with with Dawson Knox. But now it becomes a tight end one, tight end two. And that's exactly what I didn't want was seeing more of Dawson Knox on the field than what I felt like we had to, giving him more opportunity to, you know, maybe make a play, but, you know, more opportunity potentially screw something up as well. You know, just a, a little less of a dose. But now I feel like it's going to be it's going to be a heavy dose of Dawson Knox this year. And I don't know if my if I if I have the brain capacity to handle that again. <laughs> now, I think you made a good point about uh, the, the duality between uh, the battle of a tight end one position that would have that would be there if uh, Jacob Hollister would have stayed. I think that Dawson would have had to continuously look over his shoulder to be like, oh, wow, like, you know, Jacob hasn't dropped a single pass today. Oh, wow. Jacob has 137 yards receiving today. <laughs> like, you know, whatever. I, I, I mean, that's maybe a bit ambitious. But, you know, to 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 see that, you know, potential there, another guy doing what they brought me in to do, you know, maybe that might, you know, fuel that fire a little bit right. more. But on the other hand, you know, it, it could be a situation where they're like, all right, we know that this guy's on par with you. We're completely getting rid of him to show you that we have confidence in you so you can go out there and ball, right? And that could work, but the the flip side to that is is now you don't have a reliable tight end if he doesn't go out there and ball. Like, you know, you you gave up the guy who was on par with with the guy you really want and you were like, all right, you know, I'm, it's like, you know, you have an abusive relationship or something and you go out there and you start dating again. And then, you know, your, your, your spouse starts acting better and you're like, all right, you know what? Fine. I'll let go to this other person that could potentially make them, you know, keep acting better or they could just revert right, right back to their original right. ways. Right. So I, I don't know. I, I, I just, I hope for the best. I do think Dawson Knox is extremely talented, as I said before. I just don't want us to be backed into a corner, right? There's times where I see Dawson Knox miss blocks on running assignments. There's time where I see him, again, the drop passes. I um, I don't really know uh, how Tommy Sweeney is as a blocker. I haven't seen Tommy Sweeney drop too many passes, to be honest. But I don't know, man. I like Tyler Croft. I did. I like Tyler Croft. I like Jacob Hollister. I don't understand why we keep losing these guys, but I don't know. It is what it is. Um, but yeah, so the practice squad was also announced. We pretty much brought back just about everybody who we wanted to. Um, is there anybody on the practice squad that you think could potentially? Oh, wait, no, actually, there was something that I wanted to uh throw up here real quick a question for you somebody said that oh my man Dwayne appreciate the question or appreciate everybody in the comments y'all are killing the comments I I don't want y'all to think that we're not paying attention to y'all that it's just a really good conversation right now right <laughs> but um my man Dwayne he said he thinks that they drop Hollister so they can keep Stevenson now we know that they did keep an extra wide receiver so Kumaro McKenzie and Stevenson all made the team the, the initial 53 uh 
McKenzie is going to go on. I no. Stevenson is going to go on IR. So Reed Ferguson can come back inside. Um, but in any case, do you think that this is a valid uh, statement that, you know, they drop Hollister so they keep Stevenson? Um, I, I think I could see it, but I, I don't know. I, you know, I, I would have thought that, you know, personally, I didn't think Stevenson would have been the one going to IR. We brought him on the 53 man roster and I thought, I thought Sweeney was going to be the one going to IR. I thought it was going to be Sweeney and Phillips, and then we we're going to bring back um, Ferguson and, and Hollister. But, you know, I, I, do I feel that way? I don't know. I, I, I feel like I got to look at the I got to look at the list because I think there's another connection that I want to make, and I just can't make it right off the top of my head. But I, I think it's a possibility. Yeah, I, I wouldn't rule that out as a possibility. But I think, you know, when it came to the, the last few guys on the roster, it, you had to make a couple of tough decisions. And people that are, you know, at the end of the day, upset about Hollister being gone, if Dwayne is correct and that was the case, it becomes a pick your poison kind of scenario, right? You want Stevenson, Hollister's gone. You want Hollister, Stevenson's gone, right? So we can't, and that's been something that I think this fan base has been kind of struggling to deal with. Like, this was going to be one of the hardest 53-man roster cuts that we've had in a long time because we like everybody and everybody's freaking good. So it's going to be hard to part ways with with, uh, a lot of guys that we have. And speaking of that, I, I do want to get your thoughts on the Daryl Johnson trade. Did you did you like it? Or yay or nay on the Daryl Johnson trade? I said it was an L, right? Um, and everybody got mad at me. Go figure. But <laughs> when I say it's an L, I don't mean like, oh, we're going to be trash this year. Like, I don't think that. I think in sheer value, it's an L. I think that if I'm trading you someone who has the upside and the talent that Bam Daryl Bam Johnson has, I don't think whatever return we get for the sixth round pick, whatever it, it, you know, it value turns out to be, I don't think it will be on par with what Daryl Johnson will accomplish. Right. Um, unless that pick is a part of some type of trade that gets us a superstar or something, but even, even in that case, I don't really count it. Right. Um, I, I guess it, it would be valid, but whatever. Um, but I don't think, I don't see any sixth round pick coming in with the upside and the potential that, Daryl Johnson has. And not only that, but the developmental process, because we've seen him get better. We've seen him develop into a stars, you know, a special teamer. We've seen him develop into a pretty good pass rusher. So I was disappointed. I feel like he could have been a piece of our future. You know, we got Epinesa balling. We got Russo balling. Basham, who we hope, you know, can can get a little better. I would have loved to see a Bam Johnson come in in relief for one of those guys or rotation piece for one of those guys. I don't know. Uh, but I don't think that we're going to get anything close to what Bam Johnson could have gave us with that six round pick. What about you? How do you feel about it? Yeah. I mean, I completely see that argument and I wasn't mad about it, but you know, I, I could definitely see why people were, you know, upset at the end of the day, when it comes down to the, the strict numbers and value of everything. Yeah, sure. The, the biggest point being made was, Oh, we drafted Daryl in the seventh round. So of course we run because we got a six pack. Yeah. That's the obvious argument, but you no, know, it was just once again, kind of going back on the pick your poison sort of thing. I, I think that Stevenson um, got us. Yeah. I mean, exactly. The, <laughs> I disagree, and, but I feel you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is a, you know, a valid point to an extent, but I think it was also another pick your poison kind of event where, you know, we had once being said in that, in that uh, mid game interview in that last preseason game that he was looking, he was taking some calls. It kind of came down to a process of elimination, right? The way I was looking at the room, I think the guys that were on the board to be traded were F.A. Obata, um, Daryl Johnson, Mario Addison, and Vernon Butler. Vernon Butler's got the cap issues. We can't we can't really deal with him. We got to 
you know, hard to part ways with him. Mario Addison, I think, is somebody, you know, I think we talked about it a couple weeks ago, but he's just an infectious energy. You know, he had that press conference, and that was like the chance, the second I turned my my opinion on Mario Addison. He's just he's somebody you want in a family environment, like the Buffalo Bills locker room, and you kind of need him. So, you know, that writes him off. It's two of the four guys down. And then the other guy was F.A. Obata, and, you know, hindsight says that we were dealing with the Carolina Panthers. They weren't going to take F.A. Obata back. So it leaves Daryl Johnson. You know, maybe some other guys could get thrown in that conversation, but we weren't going to trade away trade away a rookie. We weren't going to trade Jerry Jerry Hughes. Anybody that was saying trade Jerry Hughes is out of their mind. And, you know, that left Bam Johnson. And then that's where I feel like the pick your poison situation comes in because it was either Stevenson, we keep Stevenson, or, you know, we keep Bam Johnson, you know, or we don't trade anybody, I guess is what I'm trying to say. You know, if we don't trade anybody, I don't see Stevenson making this roster. I think we do end up keeping all seven because they all had extremely high upside. They all had an extremely large impact on this roster. So, and, and you know, I don't know. It, that's that's where I was going with the connection. That was a connection I wanted to make earlier. I don't know why my head's not working right now. <laughs> no, you're all good, bro. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I personally not. Uh, I, I think I'm I'm right there uh, with you with the Mario Addison. That press conference changed my opinion a little bit, and um, now I am hopeful for what he he the value he can bring to this team this year. Um, but even still, I don't really like what I saw from him last year. Uh, you know, granted. You know, he did face some pretty horrific drama that probably would throw me out of a loop as well. So I respect it. Um, prayers to the Addison family, of course. Um, I just, as far as football goes, um, I didn't really like the production he brought last year. And that was kind of my thing that, that went with that. So I'm not super mad at it. Um, I, I do think that Bam is, is going to go on to do some pretty good things. Um and um, I'm also happy that, that we did be able to keep Addison. Um, he brings a veteran presence. Um, and I think that's why he's he's staying, honestly. I know I, he, he knows he's not going to be that, you know, star dominant edge rusher. He's not a Khalil Mack. He's not a, a Von Miller. Well, those are the old guys now. <laughs> he's not a, a Bosa brother or, or anything like that. Um, but I think that he can he can teach the guys, you know, a little bit. But <clears throat> excuse me. Really I, have more, I have one more question for you. Okay. Would you rather have kept seven defensive ends or stayed with the seven wide receivers? Hmm. I really wish Stevenson didn't return that kick for a touchdown. I know. I know. That, that's when everybody's mind changed. That kick return right there. That was when everybody yeah. was like, keep him. That was the moment. Because right we could have had him, we could have hit him on the practice squad if he didn't show out like that or and also that one sideline but that really wouldn't have got him signed to another team um, the, the catch from 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 that they won the game it wouldn't have got him signed to another team but that punt return pretty much solidified where people was like oh who's that guy right he's fast so i think that that was the spot where it kind of was like uh you know um kumaro was obviously not He's going to get signed <laughs> by the, at least the Packers at the very least. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then obviously we know McKenzie had eight touchdowns last year. Somebody was going to pick him up. So I understand it. I don't think we would have been able, we definitely would not have been able to sneak Bam back on the practice squad. Uh, I get it. You know, um, it's hard to say what I would have rather had happened because mm -hmm. You know, you say one thing and then you go against Bean and it makes you look stupid. So I don't really yeah, like exactly, to go against exactly. Bean too much. <laughs> uh, so I, I trust Brandon. Um, I think he, he's doing the, the best uh, 
you know, and, and I mentioned this before, we're going to see a lot of great players have to walk out the door because they're so great at evaluating talent that we're going to have guys who we see a ton of potential and upside in, but they're not going to be able to make our roster because we have a ton of potential and upside across the board. Right. So uh, good problems to have. But <clears throat> who do you think would, is going to be more productive for this team going forward? Um as far as like, you know, being the playmaker between Stevenson, Kumaro and uh, McKenzie. Um, I think, I think we're going to see McKenzie the most out of the three, you know, who's to say, you know, who's to say what we're going to do with Stevenson. Right. I mean, I don't know what kind of role he's going to be playing. I did not expect him to be the one going to IR, but you know, here we are. So who's to say, I think his role is extremely uh, up in the air, I guess is the way to put it. I'm not sure what to expect from him this season. Um, I think us as a fan base, we're going to be wanting to see Kumaro a lot more involved than I think he's going to turn out being. I think we're going to see McKenzie a lot more than all three of, or of the other two guys in the conversation. And that's fine. Um, but I, I think it's going to be just, you know, the top four guys per usual and then throw an Isaiah McKenzie still for his usual gadget role. And then Jake Kumaro, guy gets tired. It's, it's, it's another Duke Williams. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't go as far as to say Duke Williams because he's no. I, I guess I would compare Jake Kumro and Duke Williams in the sense that Jake Kumro and Duke Williams got the same sort of opportunities, you know, small chance. But Jake Kumro made the grabs that he had to in those opportunities. Duke Williams didn't really make up for the opportunities that he had. He kind of kind of blew them. So I I don't know. I think Kumro could make an impact, but we're just so deep. You know, at the end of the day, it's we're just so damn deep, and it's. I think it was probably almost like keeping him away from rivals by yeah. keeping him on this roster more than anything. Uh, agreed, because I honestly would rather see Isaiah Hodgins on the roster than than uh, Stevenson. But really? Ag really? Again, Isaiah Hodgins didn't make any of those flash plays that have other teams like, oh, let's go get this guy, right? So, you know, that makes Stevenson kind of like a priority where I do want to keep him. I just prefer Isaiah Hodgins to him. Um, and, and I think we can kind of see the same in the bills. They wanted to keep him and they probably prefer other guys to him, but they know that this guy is going to get scooped up if he, if he gets cut, right. He's not passing the waiver wire. So they were like, okay, let's sign him. We're going to throw him on. He makes the initial 53, throw him on IR so that, you know, um, he can only be out a couple of weeks and not have to be out the full season. Now you get your spot back. You take Reed Ferguson, the guy who was least likely out of any of our players to get picked up because he's only a long snapper. Um, brilliant. Bean is brilliant. Like that, that was, a, that was the brilliant way to do it. We kept everybody who we wanted except Hollister, obviously, but clearly they have some type of plan for the tight end room that we all don't know about yet. Right. Um, uh, so uh, I, I think that it's very interesting that Hodgins is on the practice squad right now. I don't think that's going to last. I really think that he's going to be a major contributor for us in the next two years. Like maybe not this year, but I think next year he's going to at least make the roster. And then the year after that, he might have his like breakout season. Uh, I see Isaiah Hodgins and Gabe Davis kind of being like a tandem. Um, they're, going to be the two guys behind Stefan Diggs for years to come, in my opinion. Ooh, interesting. I, I I don't know. I feel like Isaiah Hodgins, my take on Isaiah Hodgins right now is, unfortunately, he's just going to struggle. With the, he's going to struggle, struggle to win the injury battle, and that's going to be something he's going to have to deal with on his own. But 
unfortunately, you know, we really haven't seen much of him outside of what we've heard from camp. So I, I think the 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 injury the injury fight that he's battling right now is going to ultimately win, only because you know, as far as the Bills go, who's to say he doesn't go on to make a name for himself elsewhere? But we're just so deep, there is no time for missed time, you know, around the Buffalo Bills, right? I mean. You miss time, you, you might you might lose you lose your damn spot, right? I mean, there's just so much talent around this around this locker room. But you know, a, a lot of people are talking about. I want to get your take on this as well. They're saying, you know, do we need a tight end when we have so many wide receivers? You know, should the tight end position be something that we prioritize? And, and I don't know. I just feel like just because we have the talent at wide at wide receiver doesn't mean that we should just forget about the tight end existing, which I feel like is the case. Um, I it's it's interesting, right? Because the way we run offense, sometimes we'll have five wide. Obviously, I would prefer to have four wide receivers, four wide receivers, and probably Devin Singletary, Zach Moss out there to you know run the motion to see whether they're in zone or man. Um, that's typically what the Bills do a lot. Um, and so in those situations, I don't really need a tight end on the field, especially when I have Emmanuel Sanders, uh, Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis, and Cole Beasley. I don't need to see Dawson Knox out there in that position. But, you know, we also run some, you know, personnel where we have two tight ends. We run some personnel where, you know, uh, tight end is, is on the line and, you know, he, he, you know, it's blocking a little bit or screen plays where you might want a bigger body out there versus an Emmanuel Sanders blocking for people, right? Because Emmanuel Sanders is a little old. He's probably not going to be getting a whole bunch of screens. Um, I could see that being reserved. I, I could see Matt Breida being the perfect screen player, honestly. Um, I would love to see that, especially since he made the team. Uh, hopefully that that's that's what his uh you know his bread and butter is those screenplays because he has the speed that Zach and Devin just don't have to be able to take off and 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 run with it. But to answer the question, I think there's a little you need both, right? I think you need both. Um, you, you know, he doesn't have to like Dawson Knox doesn't have to be on the field all the time. Um, you know, and in play maybe as much as, you know, the traditional tight end, like he's definitely not going to have as much as many reps um, as, as like a Travis Kelsey or a George Kittle or anything. Um, but I do think that he is needed. And also he, he is also like a, like a big ass receiver, honestly, sometimes like, so I, I think that he, when he gets consistent, he'll be able to be a major contributor for us. We just need him to get consistent. Yeah, I mean, I, I I agree. I think I think you do need both. I think it's I, I don't know. I just don't like the excuse of we have the wide receiver depth, we have the wide receiver talent. That, like I don't know. I just, I guess I just view tight end a lot higher than I guess the Bills. I mean, a lot of them <laughs> and, and the Bills themselves. I guess I just value the tight end position a lot more than them. And you know, you look at all these Super Bowl rosters, right? I mean, they have contributing tight ends. Most of them have contributing tight ends, and you know, maybe. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, that's the sole reason why we didn't make it past the AFC Championship last year because we didn't have contributed tight ends. Obviously, that's not the case. But, no, you, you got a point because you think yeah, about I the mean, top quarterbacks, they got great tight ends. Yeah, I mean, that's just how it is, right? I mean, the same can go for the Packers, right? They lost in the championship game. Their tight ends weren't the most con biggest contributors in their roster. The Bills, I mean, just a little, maybe coincidences. Maybe they're, maybe they're things I'm just noticing that because I'm looking out for them. 
I don't know. I just hate the thought process of forgetting about the tight end production because we just have the wide receiver production. I think there's a there's a spot. This position exists for a reason. It's pretty damn important. It can't be forgotten. I think it's a key piece to Super Bowl rosters. Hopefully it doesn't bite us in the ass. No, I, I see your point now because when you just explained it to me, I, I understood what you were saying because there are a ton of people who are out there like, we don't even need a tight end. We have great receivers. It's like, okay, relax, right? Like we need a tight end, guys. Like we, we need tight ends, right? Um, but we, we do have great receivers. So that is a plus side, but um, I, I definitely agree. We definitely need tight ends. Uh, and I, again, we just got to hope that Dawson is, is able to, to put it all together or maybe, Hey, you know, Tommy Sweeney, because when Tommy and Dawson both came out, I kind of didn't really know who was who, uh, you know, I did, I heard great things out of camp about both of them. And then obviously Dawson just kind of like took over and Tommy Sweeney kind of fell into the background a lot like Gabe Davis and, and Isaiah Hodgins, right? We heard like great things about both of them coming out. And then Isaiah Hodgins just kind of fell into the shadows and, and Gabe Davis, like, you know, stepped out into the role, except Gabe Davis is actually, you know, made um, the most out of a lot of his opportunities. He did have a couple of drops. So I don't want to sit here and act like he's perfect, but he he's made the most of his opportunities. Speaking of Gabe Davis, I do have a question for you. Do you think that he's good enough to be our number two receiver going forward uh, and, and and be a championship contributing wide receiver too? Are you saying this year or beyond this year? Going forward, be beyond this uh, year. I'm going to say that, yeah, I think he's got the talent. I think at this point in his career, it, Gabe Davis is more of a product of the area, or the system he's coming from and the quarterback that's throwing to him. But that's not taking away from what Gabe Davis is as a wide receiver. Right? I mean, Gabe Davis is – you know, taking advantage of the opportunity he's been given, and he is certainly running with it. Um, you know, I think I could see, you know, once he, I think what I view from Gabe Davis is once Emmanuel Sanders departs after the season, you know, I would assume he's, you know, going to be gone. He's going to step into that role. And I think, you know, I'm hoping that being under, you know, Emmanuel Sanders' wing and, you know, the veteran presence that he's bringing to this locker room, I think that's going to be tremendous to Gabe Davis's development. So, yeah, I, to answer your question, yeah, I do think Gabe Davis has the talent to be a, a number two wide receiver. As long as, you know, if we're talking like our number one wide receiver, for some reason, if it's not Stefan Diggs, it has to be Stefan Diggs, right? I mean, I don't think Gabe Davis is going to produce all that much if you don't have a star next to him because I don't think he, you know, it's, it, in the – Two to three year window of time, he's not going to be. He's not going to get to be that good where he can handle a number one, highly rated number two wide receiver role. But if he's got Diggs next to him, I think he could definitely ball out. You know, when he's facing a lot of one on one matchups and he's not the focal point of an offense. Yeah, I agree. Um, I Diggs better be here for the long run. Like, yeah, I know. For you know <laughs> like, like, yeah. So, um, I I think he needs to be our our number one receiver for at least the next decade. Um, and then. You know, uh, hopefully uh, my hope is that Gabe Davis uh, does step up. The one thing about Gabe Davis, though, I really like is that he's winning his one on one battles. Right. And that's the thing is you're not going to be able to double team Gabe Davis, obviously, because you have people to worry about like Stefan Diggs, who you're honestly not going to be able to double team because you have to worry about Cole Beasley, who no one can cover one on one. Emmanuel Sanders, who's supposed to be the master of what Cole Beasley does. So if if all of this kind of, you know, goes as planned, 
we should be virtually unstoppable. We shouldn't see a situation in like we did last year in the playoffs where the Kansas City Chiefs are playing man and everybody's locked up because people are injured. Now we're a little bit deeper. But the, the thing about I do love about Davis, I, I mentioned that he's beating, you know, he's winning his his one on one matchups. And that's very encouraging for me going forward. Uh, this is a play that kind of speaks to what I'm talking about, right? When you have a quarterback like Josh Allen who can sling the rock and put it where it needs to be, I think. And then also you, you have a, a top two, in my opinion, top one quarterback uh, throwing the ball putting the ball where it needs to be. Then you got a, another top two, top one, in my opinion, wide receiver opposite you who is taking attention away from you. And that can create a perfect storm to give you things like this. Right. Did you see, did you guys see that throw? I'm, I'm going to play it one more time. Just, just look at the throw, right? Don't even look at like the celebration. Look at the throw. Look, that throw is nuts. Okay. And I know people are like, it was only 30 yards. That throw is ridiculous. Okay. If you understand like how football works to put it on a rope like that, I think it was Steve Tasker during the broadcast mentioned that ball didn't go higher than about seven, eight feet in the air. And it traveled 35, 40 yards, right? That was a howitzer. And he put it right there where only Gabe Davis could get to it. And I do want to say kudos to Gabe Davis because he was able to get to it. And I think that that, that needs to be uh, stated. I think that that's something that needs to be acknowledged because the, the throw can be as great as you want, but if people have you locked down because you can't get separation, then it really doesn't matter. So I, I do see a lot of great things from Gabe Davis. I'm very excited to see what he can do moving forward. Yeah, I, I, I you know, that play is perfect. And I got to ask you after the show, though, how the hell you managed to play? That? I got you. I'm going to show you. <laughs> I figured that out. But anyway, yeah, I, you know, I completely agree. I think Davis has the tools to become a top wide receiver. And I mean, G Seals here, you know, I think this is a humongous, humongous factor as to why, you know, David Davis is where he is right now. I think, I, I think uh, confidence is contagious. Josh, it starts with Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs, and it just trickles down the locker room. Gabe Davis isn't doing the, the, the Conor McGregor celebration for a touchdown if he's on the Lions or if he's on uh, Facts. He's anywhere else. He, Facts. It's just a, a contagious locker room that we got going on. It, it, this tutelage that, that Seals was just mentioning, it, it all trickles down, and that's what's extremely important. Who would just say Gabe Davis is even the receiver he is right this second if he's anywhere else? I, I do think we have to acknowledge the, the – uh, the presence that is surrounding Gabe Davis. You know, you're a product of where you come from. And I think that's a, a Gabe Davis is a perfect example of that. And, you know, therefore he could be a second wide receiver for this team, assuming Stefan Diggs is still here, which we are going to assume. Yeah. Let's just assume that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that that's a great point, but that, that kind of goes into why I say a lot of things that I say, like people will get mad at me for saying that, you know, the Bam Johnson trade is an L, but it's because I see what we do with players. I see what we did with Gabe Davis. We turned him into one of the better, you know, no, no, probably the best number four receiver in the league easily. Maybe like he's a great receiver now. Right. Um, you know, I see what we do with players like him, with Josh, Tyler Bass went from being like booty butt cheeks. And now he's <laughs> one of the better kickers in the league. Right. Got the power, the accuracy. He doesn't miss anymore. I don't remember the last time I saw Dawson Knox. I'm Dawson Knox. Tyler Bass miss. 
I don't remember the last time I saw him miss a kick. I ain't seen him miss all, pra- all practice and preseason, none of that. I haven't heard about a miss. <laughs> like, so, you know, the development that these players get, and I just, it, 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 uh, Deion Dawkins, right? He developed into a, a pretty damn good left tackle, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so, I, I, man, look, man, I, I, I feel like there's a lot of just great pieces in this organization where they can turn people into the best versions of themselves, right? Yeah. I, I said that Mitch Trubisky, after coming leaving Buffalo, is probably going to get a QB1 job somewhere and probably get a, a nice little decent change of money. Be, you know, with game, games like, you know, what happened in Chicago, that that's going to help him get that money, right? Uh, God forbid, or actually, you know what? Let's, let's swing it the other way. Let's say we're blowing somebody out in the third quarter. You know, we're 35 points up on the team, and Mr. Bisky is coming into the game, you know, and he's completing these short passes. He's doing what he has to do. I think that guys like, you know, Ken Dorsey, Brian Dayball, they're going to be great for Mr. Bisky. They're going to be great for his development. And, you know, I think maybe it was you who said that, that Dayball might be grooming his number one quarterback going forward. Was that you who said that? Maybe <laughs> 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 there's people who believe that wherever Dable goes next, maybe Mr. Bisky is that quarterback that he has, you know, mm-hmm. going into his new team. So um, that's that's just why I say a lot of the things I say. I just really believe in his team. They've given me every reason to believe that they can develop a player. Dane Jackson was a seventh round pick, sixth round, pick, something like that. Right now he's talking about being our cornerback too. For a AFC championship caliber team, that's ridiculous. That's, Levi Wallace was undrafted. Now he is the cornerback too for an AFC championship team. You know, so uh, I, I just I, I really have high, you know, very very uh, high. What's the word I'm looking for? Opinion. <laughs> I have a high opinion of uh, the Bills training, coaching, and developmental staff. So I'm just, uh, I'm really excited to see what's to come. Yeah, I'm. I want to get your opinion on uh, a lot of people. Well, I won't say a lot of people, but I saw some people. You know, our man Vince, in particular, was somebody that brought to my attention first. Not being or being upset about the the cornerback depth. You know, only going with five corners and one being Saran Neal, who damn near been a safety his whole damn career. Is that is that a is that a, of concern to you? You know that we're kind of kind of thin there. I don't know. I don't. It's not a really a big concern to me because I know the type of defense we play. We're not really like a man to man in your face. I'm better than you defense. We're a bend don't break defense. We're like, hey, you do whatever you want for these little four, five, six yards. You're not going to score a touchdown though. You know, you're damn sure not going to score a touchdown from the twenty you know, our, our 20 behind, right? If you score a touchdown, it's going to be because you worked your way methodically down the field and then, you know, just, just had a great drive overall. If not, you're going to kick a field goal. And for some reason, whatever reason, I have no idea, but people miss a ton of field goals versus our defense or special teams, whatever people miss a ton of field goals. Right. So that takes our scoring, you know, um, averages down dramatically because people aren't scoring, uh, you know, 20, 35 plus yard touchdowns on us. Uh, so I don't think that the depth is really that important because we have guys like Jordan Poyer, Micah High uh, back there preventing 
anything really catastrophic from happening, right? Um, and I, I think Brandon Bean rec recognizes that. I think that's why he wasn't super worried about the cornerback position because we've seen this entire preseason that was to most people that was our weakest spot, right? Cornerback two position. He did nothing, nothing. He didn't go out and sign a cornerback. The ones he drafted didn't make the team. Like he did nothing. So clearly, they're way more comfortable than that than than you know a lot of us are. Yeah, and honestly, now that you say that, you know. We as a fan base do not agree with. I'm starting to kind of realize that a majority of our fans we're kind of dis we've been kind of disagreeing with the front office moves as of late. I feel like you know, not upgrading a cornerback too. There's been a lot of tight end uh, dramatics. You know, a lot of a lot of head scratching, and you know, that goes to show how maybe how much smarter they actually are than us. And it's kind of a little bit eye opening. But then of course we're gonna get you know, of course myself included. I'm gonna include myself in this group of people, the I told you sowers, if, you know, something happens to go uh, not particularly the way that Brandon Bean envisioned. But anyway, I'm, I, I'm not mad about the depth at corner either. I just, you know, I guess I would have been a little more comfortable being thin at corner if we had an upgrade at corner. I, I think, you know, not that I'm not content with Levi because I am, because like you mentioned, this team we played doesn't require anybody to be locking down Tyree Kill up and down the field. Yeah. And um, but still, you know, I think it would have been it would have been a little more what's the word comforting if we had, you know, Trey, Je uh, Trey White with, you know, Stephen Nelson, anybody, Stephen Nelson, for example. But, and uh, I think it was Bruce Nolan uh, tweeted it out when Jimmy Warland got um, cut from the Washington football team. And he I don't remember exactly what his stats were from last year off the top of my head, but I saw some. PFF post or something where it, it was kind of she kind of bragging about Jimmy Moreland. He was pretty decent last year. And it kind of, you know, maybe got me thinking, but just based on our track record, I don't think we're making any moves with our roster outside of who we got already. But you know, maybe it, it just somebody like that would make me feel a little bit more content with what we got at corners, considering how thin we actually are. Because one guy goes down, you know, who's it? Levi Wallace goes down, which is a big possibility. Dane Jackson's up to bat, and I'm not saying you can't do it, but, you know, that's a big role to be taking on your own when Levi Wallace isn't around, if you're rotating in and out. That's a big role to be taking on your own. So, you know, I guess it's an issue. It'll become an issue if that's a that's a, a bridge we have to cross, but we don't have to cross it yet. Who's to say we ever will? But, you know, just another thing to really keep an eye out for, I guess. Just a lot of different things Bill's fans have been, like, keeping a side eye watching. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, before we get out of here, I do want to hit the comments because Dwayne is, is making a lot of sense right now. And I got to I got first of all, there's a question for you. But before we get to the question. Bean obviously thought the deal was the reason that the DBs were struggling. And I agree that yeah. lack of pressure, you know, the, the cornerbacks maybe aren't necessarily trash is because there is no pressure getting to the quarterback. So they get to sit back there and do whatever they want. You know, I've. I've beat that you know nail with a hammer so i won't continue to talk about it um but i i very much agree uh duane very i you know very astute comment I, I agree um he did have a question for you though caveman if we were offered a third for mitch that included a decent backup would you make that trade uh, define decent backup because i think mitch is as, as good as it comes when it comes to a backup quarterback so 
I mean, a decent backup could be considered like Andy Dalton. And we saw what happened now that he, he's a starter, but you know, that's just because the bears are stupid, but I mean, decent backup is, it could be considered an Andy Dalton. And that does scare me. Right. I mean, I still think I, I'm still holding Mr. Trubisky in a higher regard as far as backups go, because you know, it's just such a, such a rare commodity to have a, a backup that you can have faith in, you know, I mean, Ben DiNucci was the backup for, for Dallas. Or no, no, obviously he wasn't because it was Andy Dalton, but Ben DiNucci, I didn't oh, see yeah. time. Didn't he see time last year? He, he was I, the backups backup. So he, when, when Dak got injured, Andy Dalton came in, he was Andy's backup. Yeah. I, I don't know why. I just feel like he, I don't know. Either way, a decent backup. I think Dwayne is saying a 15th ranked backup. Um, uh, uh, mm. No, I still don't think I'm doing it. Yeah. I, I, Mitch is, Not the number one backup for a 15th. Mm. I think the only way I'm doing this is if it's like a second and like Jacoby Brissett or Marcus Mariota. Like, I mean, those two guys, other than that, I, I don't think there's really any competition for back quarterback as far as Mr. Bissett goes. Maybe, maybe Teddy Bridgewater, because I think he should be a backup, but he's not. But obviously he can't be fit in that conversation anymore. But no, I'm 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 holding on to Mitch, especially for this season. If we're we're trying to make that run, God forbid anything happens, we need somebody back here. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Um, uh, oh. <laughs> well, so let me ask you this. All right, last question. I promise. What would it take for you to be comfortable parting ways with Mr. Trubisky? At first. It would have it's just okay. it's just it's just that outlandish i know it sounds stupid it sounds ridiculous but that's mm-hmm. probably the only way i mean we went yeah. out and we went out and upgraded that that position for a reason we felt like we saw matt barkley go in for what one snap when josh allen went down with the shoulder injury against oakland and you know it was scary you know you don't want you don't want your season to feel like it's completely down the toilet if something were to happen with josh allen and that's how he felt when Josh Allen got hurt. It's like, that's it. Like, that's it. Josh Allen was the sole reason why we had a football team last year. That might not be the case this year, but if Josh Allen goes down, you might be, you might be breaking your own damn kneecaps. If you don't have somebody that can be somewhat competent back there, like that doesn't look like they're a deer in headlights, a third and Gardner Minshew. Now I still think you're kind of, you're pulling my leg here, David. Dude. That's no. not bad. That's not bad, but I'm still taking this. I second, second, and I would think about okay. it. A second. Yep. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm with you there. Second in Gardner Minshew, and, and we can have the conversation. A second, and I will talk about it. But, you know, that that's a good one, too. I didn't even think – because Minshew just got traded, right? He's just mm-hmm. working Eagles to be uh, Eagles, yeah. back up to uh, Jalen Hurts, which is interesting. You know, that's maybe that's a little bit of a, a poke, in the, poke in the ass for Jalen Hurts, like – you know, we got this guy back here that can kind of play if we really have him, if we really need him to. You know, that I, I think Jalen Hurts is going to be this year. I, I, just, I just side note. Dwayne Jones okay. being stingy. Yeah, <laughs> I, I am. I know how I felt when when Matt Barkley came in, and I was I was petrified. And, yeah. You know that that was that could have been our season right there. God forbid. But yeah, the I'm, playoff game, all the, the Patriots game. He always comes in and throws an interception. I don't understand. <laughs> Unless we're winning. When we was beating Miami, obviously, he came in and yeah. continued beating the brakes off them. But that was about <laughs> it. Oh, in the Jets game, he came in and balled out, too. So, yeah. appreciate you, Matt Parker. <laughs> but, um, yes, that was our 
Wine Show, uh, Home Field Advantage. Obviously, we thank every single one of you guys for being out in the comments. You guys are killing the comment section today, for real. Like, uh, that was really fun. Uh, we had a great conversation. Time flies, as always. Oh, uh, yeah. About a, almost an hour and a half. Um, but, yeah, it came in. Did, I don't, I don't want to put you on blast, but the, the hockey championship, did you? Nah, man, we lost. We had, oh, <laughs> we had like, it was our semi, it was the semifinal game, and we had, uh, I think, we had a whole roster going into it, but then most of the guys went off to college. So then we played with only seven guys, and it was just, it, it was rough. But no, yeah, no, no more hockey nah, for, for a bit. No, I, it's I, all right. I, I've played in basketball games where we had like six people. So I, I trust me. I totally yeah, understand. <laughs> yeah. You can't play. There's no way you can't play that way. People get too tired at this age. Exactly. Man. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But um, yes, this is my man caveman. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, right there. Nope. Wrong way. Right there. <laughs> uh, Liz, man, uh, go ahead and check out caveman speaks. You can find that built some Buffalo YouTube channel. Same place you're watching this. Presumably. I mean, uh, there are a lot of different, places. anyway, <laughs> but, um, Caveman speaks. Then uh, I am your host. We're both your hosts. I'm, I gotta stop saying that, right? But um, <laughs> please check out Windshield Factor podcast that comes out every single Tuesday. Then obviously Homefield Advantage comes out Wednesday, and um, first round buy is on Monday at six thirty p.m. That'll be the pre-game roundtable, built in Buffalo roundtable talk um, before Monday night football to kind of just discuss. Uh, you know, what happened in the weekends prior, got to get K-Man on there because there, you know, it can't be a round table if we don't have K-Man on there at some point, right? Um, so just whenever you have time on a Monday, please let me know. We're going to get you on there, all right, bro? All right, man. Absolutely. Oh, wow. Well, this, uh, this was a good one, man. You, really, though, Justice said it like four times. Like, you guys killed the comment section. Yeah, absolutely. We appreciate it. It's fun. Yeah. For sure. But again, we want to thank everybody. Thank you so much for uh, watching Home Field Advantage. Thank my man Caveman for being here with me. Uh, we are out. So.